Well, good morning. As uh, we've been working our way through this series called Transformed, I pray that so far the Lord has revealed some things to you and that it has been a blessing uh, to your life and to your spiritual Christian walk uh, and to um, be able to process the fact that we are to be transformed. The Bible, in fact, calls us to be transformed. And that's, as I said, I, I try and pick my backgrounds and slides and media carefully. And, and we're transformed from, from one thing to another as the slide looks on the screen. Uh, we're transformed. Some, some of us have had rough seas and we're being transformed into calmness. And the whole book of Romans, as we'll find out, and uh, if you've been following along um, along with the book of Romans, either on the Bible app or you're coming on Wednesday nights or, or however you've been following along in the book of Romans, uh, the theme throughout the book of Romans that I see is uh, we were this and now we're that. Uh, Paul says, you were this, now you're this. You were this, now you're this. So there's this whole idea of transformation throughout the whole book, really. Um, throughout a lot of scripture, but Romans, as I've said, is far and away my favorite book in the Bible. My favorite chapter in the Bible is Romans chapter 8, where it talks about there being no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? And that Christ came to fulfill the law, and it's just all right there in Romans chapter 8. And it's my favorite chapter, and, and I'm, I'm, someday I'm going to preach right from that, and I won't even need notes. I love that chapter so much. It is everything that I, I, I put my faith in. It's, every, it's a culmination of the entire uh, Christian walk in Romans chapter 8. It's all right there. Um, it's deep. Romans is deep, right? Uh, we get into the book of Romans and it's no longer, um, you know, oh, God loves you and that, that, that's good and all of that. That's all wonderful. But you get into, well, what does that really mean? And the book of Romans you start really digging in. So the Bible calls us to be transformed. Amen? All right. Dialogue. Remember, this is how this goes. Um, I don't want more people in the chat online saying amen than I have in the room saying amen. That's embarrassing. Not to me, to you. But in the book of Romans, if you have your Bible or you have your app with you, and uh, I'll be taking a few more sips of this, I think, this morning. Uh... The book of Romans chapter 12, and we're just in the first couple verses in Romans chapter 12, and if we look at Romans 12, 1, uh, the Apostle Paul writes this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, and I love that, I just love those words, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, so who are the brethren, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, who are the brethren? Us, us, you and I, right? And I beseech you, I encourage you, I want to get your attention. I beseech you, hey, listen to this, brethren. By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. We talked about that last week. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your, say it with me, mind. Right, we talk in week one, how the mind works a little bit, how the brain works a little bit. And now we're going to dig into how we can be transformed by this renewal. That you may prove, the Word of God says, what is that good 
and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, last week we talked about what? The presentation of our bodies, right? We were saying, God, in response to the mercies of God in our lives, we were saying that our response should be to follow Him. Our response, because of the mercies, everything that's happened to us so far, we present our bodies, right? We say, God, here I am. Here I am. We present ourselves, our bodies, who we are. We say, God, here am I. I stand before you, God, ready to serve you. Use me. Transform me. Let's do this, God. We're ready to go. Present your bodies. Here here I am. And in response to the mercies. Now, stage two of present your bodies, stage two is be transformed by the renewing. The transformation of our minds, right? The transformation of our minds. The renewing of our minds. There we go. That's where I want to be. Renewing of our minds. There we go. And what happens when we when we are uh, open to the idea that our minds can be transformed? We actually talk about the physical makeup of our brains that are that can actually change when we transfer when we transform our thinking. Right? We talked about synapses that happens and and how things kind of physically happen in our brains. That's not where we are this. This morning, though, we're talking about our minds or our thinking, our thought processes. Um, It says in, in, in the second verse, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that, that, that active verb there, that be, is the same one that, that, that says this, be being. Uh, when the Bible says, be be there, be therefore sanctified. It says, be being sanctified. So it's an ongoing process is what we're talking about. It's not just be transformed and you're done. It says, be transformed, be being transformed. Continue to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and then you notice there's two parts to this verse too. There's a negative and there's a positive part of this verse. It says that do, don't do this, but do that. There's that theme again throughout Romans. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. So on the negative side, right? Let's start off on the negative side. Don't be conformed. And I love the I love the fact that the Bible calls us out to be nonconformists. Right? How many would consider themselves a nonconformist? Come on, be honest. There's a few of us that I don't really kind of I, I I don't actually go with the flow on a lot of things. I like to, 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 okay, well, tell me why I should conform, right? Like, when I found this verse, do not be conformed, I said, yeah, that's me. Don't, don't necessarily go with the flow, but dig in and find out why. And then if it's good, then go with the flow. But if not, stand up and be counted, right? The, the word, of the, the, Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount, remember, uh, Jesus told his disciples, don't be like the world. Don't be like them. Don't be like unbelievers, J.B. Phillips actually translates it in his Bible translation, uh, the Phillips version. It says this, and I love this. Don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. And mold is, he's an Englishman, so I love that too. Mold with the M-O-U. It's very fancy. Don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. That's what the J.B. Phillips translation is. That's a powerful rendition of that. Don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. 
don't go with the flow. Any dead fish can float downstream. Stand up and stick out for the right reason. And that's not easy to do. I understand that. And, and that's why I was saying in the prayer that it's not easy uh, to stand up and be counted. It's not easy to, to go against the flow. One of our greatest uh, fears as human beings, right, is rejection by the group or by the crowd. It's, it's a fear. We don't like to be rejected. We want to fit in. We want them to like us, you know. We don't want to want to always say, excuse me, I disagree. We don't want to always be that person, right? We want, to, we, want to, we want to agree with people for the most part. And so a lot of times we conform. We conform. But this idea of nonconformity, it's a principle that goes all the way back to the Old Testament, right? Remember, and I said God provide, provided for His people all throughout history. And, and we'll look back at the Israelites where God's taking these children of Israel out of Egypt and bringing them into the land of Canaan. There were unbelievers in Egypt. There were unbelievers in Canaan. There were believers. It was a mix of all kinds of people, but this Canaan land was sort of a land of idols and idolatry. And uh, He was bringing His people into that 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 land and he says this in Leviticus 18:3 you shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you live and you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan to which I am bringing you you shall not walk in their statutes don't be like them you know who you are in me in Christ you know who you are in God you're my children God says you're my children God raised up a holy nation the Israelites and he says you know what don't be like them Stand out. Don't conform. Don't don't be like the rest of the crowd. Y'all, y'all, is it okay we do a little scripture study this morning? All right. We're in church, right? How many are happy to be in church and won't ever take it for granted again? <laughs> we were just talking about that last night. There are certain things that are prevalent in our lives uh, and in the world around us, and we will not take them for granted. Uh, but in John chapter, uh, 1 John, not Psalm 24, 1 John. I don't have a slide for it, but you can look it up. First John chapter 2, it says, Do not love the world. Paul here says, Don't be conformed to the world. John says, Don't even love it. Don't even love the world. And that's brought a lot of angst to some believers. You know, some people say, What do you mean, don't love the world? Am I supposed to, like, not love the creation? What is this? Unpack this for me a little bit. Don't love, don't love the grass, the trees, the world. What's in the world? Uh, the Bible says, Don't love the world. Now, we are to love the physical world, right? We're to love God's creation. Talk a little bit about God's creation and what He puts before us, you know? He says that the creation testifies to His glory. The creation, the very creation, testifies to His glory. I heard once one, uh, somebody say one time that notice the direction of the tree's branches, which way they go. <laughs> right. Tree's branches. They, trees even know how to praise. And the Bible actually says that if you don't praise me, what will cry out? The rocks and the stones will cry out. I'm going to keep those rocks silent. Amen? That's my job, to keep the rocks silent. Somebody should write a song about that. Probably have. Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And as believers, we realize we're to be stewards of this earth that God's put us on. Are we okay with that? I need to do my best, and so do you, to treat it well, right? As believers, we actually have a, maybe even a greater appreciation for physical nature, for what's out there, because it points to God and His creation, right? And, and for the life of me, I don't understand how scientists, for the most part, can do it. You know, they make some 
some cool discovery. And it's like, man, look at this beautiful accident. This random occurrence. Isn't it awesome? This fortuitous occurrence of an accidental circumstance that happened. Wow, it actually has no meaning at all, but look how beautiful it is. Scientists will say that. And as a believer, we would go, no, no, that has great meaning. My father, my, my creative father, actually made this. And it points us back to him. It points us all back to him. We look out at creation, points us back to the father. We look out at, at majestic s- skies, I mean, sunsets and oceans and creations and creatures and all of that. And we look at all that and it points us back to God. So when the Bible says don't love the world, it doesn't refer to the physical world, like the creation, of course. The Bible says don't be, don't be conformed to the world. It's not speaking of the physical world, and it's, it's, it's not referring to the world of human beings, for sure, because the Bible says that God so loved the world, same words here, that he gave his only son. So God doesn't say don't love the world in the fact that humanity, right? So what is he talking about? When he uses the term world here, and he uses it in 1 John, it says, do not love not the world, in the King James. It refers specifically to the ethical world. Now, track with me. The ethical world. We get our word from this world, cosmopolitan. Cosmos, with the K in the Greek. Cosmos. It means the ordered system of behaviors, okay? So it means activities and ideas and and the the ordered system of behaviors in this sense it says don't be conformed to that don't be conformed to the people that are against god that have this agenda and have this this worldly way under and you know that who is the father you know who is called the prince of the power of the air I know that's a little Bible, a little script, a little, little churchy for some of you, but do you know who's called the prince of the power of the air? Satan, right. We have an enemy called Satan, and he's not talked about enough in churches. All right? You okay? <clears throat> it is true. He is not talked about in churches. Not that we need to give him any more press than he deserves. Right? But we do need to realize that there's a very real enemy and it's not some ethereal kind of weird Satan with horns and a, and a pitchfork. There is an enemy that is here for two, three purposes, really, the Bible says. Kill, somebody said it, steal, and destroy you and I. That's his motive. That's his M.O. Now, the prince of the power of the air, in other words, he is the, he is the, the god of this world, as the Bible calls him. And he blinds the minds of those who believe not, is what the scripture says. So we're not to be conformed to that. We're not to be... Remember last week we talked about that greyhound, right? Chasing the rabbit around the track. And that's like they have their eyes on the prize and they're laser focused. And that's all they need is that prize. They need to, they need to grab onto that thing, boy. I mean, it, come, come, whatever my, come whatever may, tread on whoever I need to. I'm, I'm going for it. That's the prize. I'm going for it. We need not be that greyhound chasing the rabbit be not conformed to the world that would chase that rabbit and that's all their focus is on but be transformed the positive side of this verse don't be conformed to this world but be transformed and the word transformed here does anybody have a little greek uh, background at all the word transformed is what 
what is it? Where do we get our word metamorphosis? Be transforms, that's right. We get some Bible scholars that have been uh, sitting in the back, taking a peek at your pastor, judging him. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Guys, I love you guys, I do. Metamorphosis is where this word, is the translation, um, this word transformed. It's, it's a total radical change by the renewing of your what? Mind. Man, you guys are engaged this morning, I love it. Your mind is important to God. Your mind is important to God. And I don't care where you come from, what educational background you have, what kind of things you have been through in your life, all of this stuff. Your mind, as you sit here this morning, is important to God. Matthew tells us this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. One of the most misquoted scriptures I, I see. But that's the scripture. With all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. So if you've never heard it before, hear it now this morning. It's okay for you to think as a Christian. It's okay. In fact, it's mandatory. It's vital to think as a Christian. Be a thinking Christian. Some churches seem to have an invisible sign at the door, you know. Please check your brain here. Leave it here. Don't think critically. Don't bring up questions. Don't struggle with real issues. No, struggle with real issues. If you have doubts, work through them. I've done it plenty of times. And I come out on the other side much stronger. Because I did that. James Montgomery Boyce says this, People aren't thinking anymore. Brain cells are seriously under-exercised. Contemplation has become an old-fashioned word with little place in our fast-paced, high-tech world. For thinking, we have substituted entertainment. Really get this this morning, church. The substitution, he says, has been so effective that many of us believe that entertainment actually makes us think. We think of ourselves as being the best informed generation in history because of television, he says. And we can add now to that, since he wrote it, because of the internet and social media. We think of ourselves as the most informed generation. But folks, TV is not informing us. It's merely entertaining us. Please, please hear me this morning. As I said uh, several weeks ago... Every single, I don't care what news network you watch, pick one. Every single network, channel, everything you tune into on that tube is owned by an entertainment company. Not a news information company, it's an entertainment company. And they have one thing in mind, ratings and the dollar. It's merely entertaining us, not informing us. Please, please, please get that in your minds this morning and in your hearts. That the, every screen you look at, every scroll is not information. It's entertainment. Please, please, please. Okay. We're told to renew our minds, right? The scripture says to renew your minds. Preacher, how do you do that? I'm glad you asked. How do you renew your mind? And if you're a note taker, you may want to write these points down. If you're not much of a note taker, you might want to write these points down. 
How do you renew your mind? The Bible says to renew your mind. By what tool, church, do you have? What do you have at your fingertips and at your disposal this morning that can help you to renew your mind? Hold them up. There they are. There they are. There they are. Exactly right. Saturate your mind in the Word of God. God has given us His Word, His values, His template. Saturate your mind in the Word of God. Renew your mind. Renew your thinking. Transform your mind by saturating it in God's mind. God's Word. God's mind, God's God's way, His character, everything about God is contained and conveyed in His Word. Everything you need. Now when you do that, transforming your mind and presenting your bodies, remember that from last week, hear my God, now you don't conform, but you transform. The last or the third thing, after the transformation of your mind and the presentation of your bodies, the third thing that they mention here in Romans... Verse 2 continues. The last thing I will tell you is, is the apprehension of God's will. The apprehension of God's will. See how verse 2 continues. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Grab on. Hold on tight. It's time to apprehend the will of God. Did you know that God actually has a will? God has a will. Generally and specifically for you. Here's what the scripture tells us. First of all, he wants you to know his will. Obviously. He wants you to not only know his will, but do his will. And I've discovered that every true Christian really wants to do God's will. It's, na- it's, as natural as, it's as natural as being a believer. Now you want to know what God's will is for your life, right? You come to that point after you get saved and you come to Christ where you say, you know what, God, what do you want me to do in this life? What's your plan and purpose for me, God? Probably the most common question I get as a pastor is, I want to know the will of God for my life. What am I here for? Especially new believers. I want to know God's will. It's one of the most often questions I get. Well, how do I discover, Pastor, God's will? The problem comes, and some people will think, that God's will is revealed mysteriously. Oh, it's some kind of a, whoa, God's will. It's going to be really weird. God revealed His will. This must be His will. If it's really weird, it's got to be God. Some people believe it, and you know people like this. Not you. People that you know. Is it weird enough? Then it's got to be God. Every weird sign has to be a sign. Well, that must be God's will. So God's going to speak to me audibly. I'm going to hear the voice. He's going to spell out letters in the clouds. Look, there's a cross in the clouds. No, it's two jet trails that happen to make a... It's not God necessarily forming an angel out of the clouds. You know, or perhaps it's God sent an angel. I know it was, it's God. 
an angel was hitchhiking on the on-ramp, and that tells me God's will right there. I've discovered, and I've, I've not really ever had any of those experiences, but I have seen God work in my life supernaturally. Naturally. Follow me. Very naturally, very normally. But at the same time, the mystery of it is God supernaturally working somehow. Some commonplace thing that happened in my life that I can look back and say, that was God. It wasn't a writing in the sky or an audible voice I heard in my ear. And it wasn't something weird or ethereal or, oh, God works through natural circumstances in your life. And that sometimes you don't really see it in the present, but then you see it. You say, that was the will of God. That was God. We talk about a thing uh, that's found in the scriptures and a thing that we, we uh, hold fast to in the church of the Nazarene. Called God's prevenient grace, right? Time for a church lesson. God's prevenient grace is the grace that has gone before. God's prevenient grace. And when you're, when you're talking to someone and the, the subject of spiritual things, of, of, of godly things comes up in the conversation, uh, that's the prevenient grace of God. The Holy Spirit is always the first witness. You're always the second. It wasn't your idea to bring this up in the conversation, okay? It was the prevenient grace of God. And we talk about that. How do we determine God's will? Well, God is going before you to orchestrate things in your life that don't necessarily, aren't, aren't words in the clouds or anything like that, but it's the steps that he's organized in your life. The book of Psalm t- Psalms tells us that, uh, I think it's one thirty-seven Psalm 37, that the steps of the good man are orchestrated or ordered by the Lord. The, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Believers, steps are orchestrated by the Lord. God's will is already out there. You're following it through natural things that happen. It's not some crazy supernatural thing. But it's a very a very commonplace experience from time to time. <clears throat> it's it's like don't be like the guy who went on a diet. And he was very very serious, very serious and committed to this new way of life, this new diet. Uh, so serious that he decided that he's going to reroute his normal way to work. He's actually, you know, because the normal way to work was right in front of the bakery that he loved to go to every morning. And he would go every morning and he said, you know what, I'm, uh, every day I go there and I'd stop and he'd load up on his donuts and he'd, he'd continue on to work. That was his route. So he says, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to drive a different route. I'm going to go a different way. And so he did. But one day he comes into the office, and everybody at the office knew about his, 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 his new decision, right? And, and he comes in with this humongous coffee cake with a few bites taken out of it. And everybody in the office is like, oh, come on, what happened? You made a commitment, man. We want to help you keep that commitment. He goes, no, 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 no. He said, no. First of all, I accidentally drove by the bakery this morning. I forgot my routing, and I just accidentally drove by. But then I thought, maybe this is God's will. Maybe this is God's will in my life. And, and so, so I prayed, Lord, if it's your will that I go inside this bakery and I buy that coffee cake, uh, I pray that you provide a parking space, God, right up front. 
God, if it's your will, I mean, I, I didn't plan on, I accidentally drove by the bakery. God, if it's your will that I eat this coffee cake, you'll provide a parking spot right in the front, and I will know that I know that I know that this is your will. And he goes, wouldn't you know it? The eighth time around the block, and there it was, right there in the front, was my parking spot. (laughs) A transformed mind will produce a transformed will. You will want what God wants. When you present your body, here am I, when your mind is renewed, you're going to start wanting what God wants. I'll boil it down to something very, very simple, alright? And you'll understand what I mean in the context of it. And and if this is the only quote that appears somewhere, it's taken right out of context. So, stay with me. Remember everything we talked about for the first half hour And I'll make this statement and go with me on this one. Here it is. Love God and do what you want. People are looking at me sideways already. That's a little little weird, Pastor. It's actually not. Because if we take everything that we heard so far with our transformed mind and seeking the, the will of God after having that transformed mind, you'll want what He wants. Right? Stay with me. It's very true. Love God and do what you want because if you've been transformed by the renewing of your mind and not conformed and presented your body and said, here am I, you're sold out 100% trying to get get a, re- a revelation of what the will of God is, right? You're going to want what He wants. Because if you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, if you're presenting your body to Him, your mind's being renewed, You'll want what he wants. So love God and do what you want. Because what you want will be what he wants. We use this word, the big long churchy word for you VBS kids or Sunday school people, we call this sanctification, right? God, here's, I have one, this isn't in my notes, it's a bonus for y'all. Time to pay attention. Um, One guy described sanctification to me as this. Uh, he's he's at his house across the street from his neighbor, and he looks over at his neighbor, and he's working on his car in his garage. And uh, the, the the guy that looks over, the guy that's working on the car is an unbeliever, and the guy that um, is going to talk to him is a believer. So this new believer goes over and, and talks to him, and he says, "Hey man, uh, I see you working on your car here." And he goes, "Yep, yep, working on my car." And uh, he says, "So uh, I hear you've been going to church a lot." And the guy says, "Yeah, I've been I've been going to church. My life is different now." And and, and things are really, you know, things are just incredible. They're, they're very, very, very different for me right now. And uh, the guy kind of puts his wrench down and wipes his hands off and looks at the guy. And he says, you know, you church people. Love that, right? It's the church people. You see them at the wedding reception, right? They're over there. They're the ones that aren't dancing. He says, he looks at the guy and he says, you church people. He says, yeah, what about us? <laughs> well, he says, you guys... You know, I, I could never do that. I could never be a church guy like you. And the guy's like, well, it's not really about being a church guy. It's about, you know, following God and things like that. But why, why couldn't you do that? And the guy says, you know what? Well, because, you know, I, I've been at this thing, this thing called life a long time. 
And he says, man, I could never be a church person like you because you know what? I, 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 love, I enjoy my life. I enjoy going out with the boys on the weekend. You know, I want to do that. I enjoy, you know, having a smoke from time to time. He says, I want to do that. He says, and I enjoy, you know, yucking it up with, uh, with the Sunday crowd on, uh, around the football game, you know, and, and saying what we want to say if you catch my drift. I, I want to do that. He says, I want to keep on doing all these things. You Christian guys, you seem to, you guys can't do that. And I want to do all this stuff. And he looks back at him, and this is the definition of sanctification. He goes, you know what? He goes, here's the thing. You know, just a few weeks ago, I was like you. And it's only been a couple of weeks. And right now, it's not the fact that I, I can't go out with the boys. It's not the fact that I can't enjoy a smoke once in a while. It's not the fact that I can't have a drink on Sunday and, and say whatever I want to say. It's not the fact that I can't. It's the fact that I don't want to. And when your mind is transformed, you'll want what he wants. And it's not the fact of do's and don'ts, like you can't do this and you can't do that as a believer. God, he said, you know what? God has taken away my want to. That's the line that he used. God's taken away my want to. So that now your wants are the same as his wants. There's something about God's will. And what God wants. Paul says here in verse 2, he says, first of all, God's will is good. God's will is good, it says right there in the scripture. That you may prove what is that good. You know God's will is always good. It doesn't always feel good in the moment, but it is good. God's will isn't always fun. It's not always very pleasurable. It's not always very enjoyable sometimes in your life because it's sometimes against your will. We don't like that. But God's will is always, 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 hear me church, God's will is always good. Romans 8.28, again in Romans, especially chapter 8, God works all things together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose his will the will of God is not only good but it's also acceptable what does acceptable mean in the NIV it says his pleasing it is pleasing when you do God's will it's going to be pleasing well who's it going to please well it's going to please God it's going to please God but as I said as your mind is transformed it'll also be pleasing to you to please God all right Psalm 37 also says, Delight yourself in the Lord. You know what the rest of that verse says? And He will give you the desires of your heart. Don't misquote that. It doesn't mean just be delighted in God and He will give you all of your little heart's desires. That's not what it says. It means when you delight yourself in the Lord, He will actually plant within you a desire for the right thing. You'll be transformed. He'll give you that desire. And finally he says in this verse that God's will is not only good, it's not only acceptable, but it's also perfect. It's perfect. That you may prove what is a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That word perfect, right? It's a cool word actually. Uh, Teleos. 
It means complete. It means full grown. It means mature. It means a mature satisfaction and and what that word perfect means. Uh, The experience that says, ah, right. Perfect. Perfect. I'm satisfied. I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied with God's will. It's, it's this, uh, this, this perfect, mature satisfaction of being just at peace. And, and God says, you know, that's my perfect will. My perfect will. You come to the end of your life. And you're dissatisfied. Or maybe even right now you sit here this morning and you're just not satisfied with your life. Very dissatisfied. So I wasn't, it wasn't supposed to be this way. I wasn't supposed to end up like this. Maybe, just maybe, you've been conformed to this world. You come to this point in your life and you're, you're a little bit dissatisfied. It, it may have proved to you this morning by hearing these words that you were living for yourself and not for God. You may have been conformed. And I can't answer that question for you. And I've never met anyone on their deathbed who said, you know what, I just committed a little too much to God. You know, I should have been more selfish. More time for me. I've never met anybody who said that on their deathbed. But if you're dissatisfied, you may be living for the wrong reason. So we present our bodies to the control of God. Our mind is renewed by the Spirit of God and in the Word of God. And then we are able to discern the will of God. But if we love God and we do what He wants, what He wants becomes what we want. Because He plants those desires that He wants in our hearts. practice this daily. I've practiced this for years. You just commit your daily plan to Him. You know, you yield your plans. You say, God, I have a schedule, and I have a schedule like y'all have a schedule. You should see the dots that are on my calendar. I've got appointments. I've got things to do. I've got places to be. People to see. So do you. But you yield your schedule to Him. Just say, you know what, God, today, this day is yours. I have an agenda. I have something to get done. But God, you know what? I surrender that to you. And, and Lord, if you, if you might change things during my, my day or my week or my life, I have plans, but they might not be his plans. He might say no. He might say no, no, you know what? I know you had this plan, but I'm going to cut and splice this in this, in the, in this part of your, your, your movie, in your life. I'm going to cut and splice this part in, God says. Throw this out, put this in. And this is what you're going to face today. You say, God, I don't want to do that. Yeah, but I want you to. And I want you to go through it. But God, that's not good. God says, no, 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 it is good. It is good. It doesn't feel good, God. Well, it is good. So I commit my script, my plan to him. I give him editing rights over my plan and my script in my life. I give him those rights. And I am able to surrender some of that to God and accept what is his good and acceptable and perfect will for my individual life. It's better than being a Christian monkey. Remember having the hand in the hole in the coconut and you're not going to let go. This is what I want. 
And I will not, God, I know you're calling me over here and let, let go of this, but God, I, this is what I want. I want it. A Christian life shouldn't be one of snatching. It should be one of surrender. Amen? Not seizing, but surrender. His ways are always better than your ways. Amen? Would you stand? The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. I like to think of the Word of God as like a scalpel. And when I hear God's Word, and I read God's Word, or I hear it preached, and it's opened up to me, that scalpel can begin to make some cuts. Oh, am I familiar with those cuts. But the scalpel of God's Word begins to make some cuts. And God's Word begins to do some surgery in your life. Some things may need to change. Some things may need to change. And although it's not very comfortable sometimes, surgery is not a comfortable thing. For the first few hours and few days for sure, it is no picnic. And much like physical surgery... There's healing that takes place. Healing that has to take place when God does surgery in a spiritual way. So if you've heard something throughout these past few weeks about being transformed by presenting yourself, by the renewing of your mind and figuring out what God's will is in your life, if you've heard something in the last few weeks, God may need to do some surgery in your life. It's not going to be comfortable. It may be a little painful. God may want to do some surgery in your life. Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Presenting yourself as a living sacrifice. Saying, God, hear mine. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? As we close this morning... And we reflect on what God's Word has just said to us. You know, we pray before the, the sermon and we pray before each service every time we gather that the Holy Spirit would go before, that God's prevenient grace would go before anything that's said, spoken, sung in this place, prayed, given, anything, that God's Holy Spirit would, be go, would go before, that anything you're hearing right now from me, I would be the second witness on the scene. That the Holy Spirit will prepare your heart even before you came in the doors this morning. And if you came in with that sort of attitude, an open heart, an open mind, saying, you know what, God, I'm here for, for whatever you have for me. Take inventory of what you've heard the Word of God say to you this morning and how the Holy Spirit has translated it to you. It'll mean something different to each and every individual person that's standing here this, this morning. This word will mean something different. 
And I know that because I have the privilege of standing up here looking out at your faces as you're hearing from the Word of God. Some, some look perplexed. Some look happy. Some are laughing. Some are sad. And I see it on your faces. The Word of God, it goes out with the, with the Holy Spirit going before and translates into whatever your situation is. God has a will for your life. God has a will, not only in general, but He also has a will or a purpose for you and how He will use you in this world. So as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning and we're reflecting on what we heard, let's go before the Lord and say, you know what, Lord? God, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me this morning? How, God, have you used these words to permeate my heart? To change my heart, oh God. And as we all agree together in prayer, and if we would be honest before God and transparent, and and for the desire to be transformed by Him, would we say before God, God, search me. Search me, O God. And see, Lord, if there are any wicked ways. See, Lord, if there's anything that's opposite to what you would have for my life. Are my desires your desires, God? Is what I want what you want and what you want what I want? Is that all simpatico, Lord? Is that all is that all working? Is there this sanctification that's happened, Lord, that I can say that you've taken away my want to sin, my want to do anything that would be opposite of what you would have or what your word says? Do I have that in my life? If you would be transparent before God this morning and saying, you know what, Lord, there are some things that I have not let go of. Is there absolute honesty and clarity between you and God this morning? Has He taken away your want to? Your proclivity to sin? Your your conforming to this world? Has He taken that away? So that you want to serve Him and you want what He wants? As we continue in prayer this morning, Heavenly Father, would you work your way through your Holy Spirit in and out of this this sanctuary? Would your Holy Spirit speak to individuals' hearts and lives where they stand? God, would you help us to not be conforming? And Lord, if some of us were honest before you this morning, we know that there's nothing hidden when we're in your presence, that you know all. And if we were honest, Lord, before you this morning and with ourselves, that we would say, there's been some things that I've conformed to in this world. And God, I'm ready to let those go. I want what you want, Lord. I want to know your will for my life. I want your desires to be my desires. I want what breaks your heart to break mine. I want, Lord, what gives you joy to give my heart joy. I want to be more like you.
that's you this morning, you say, God, I want to be more like you. I want your wants to be my wants. I want to fully surrender my life. I'm not talking about kneeling at an altar once when you were a teenager, maybe last week even, but I'm talking about surrendering your life to God. You've accepted Christ. You say, yes, I'm I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus, of course. Accept the fact that He died in my stead and that, that He has taken away the sin of the world on His back. It's God's will that none should perish, as John 3.16 tells us in 17. And that all should come. He didn't die because He wanted to condemn the world. He died because He wanted to save it. That's God's will. But God also has a will for you. That you would serve Him. That you would sell out to Him. That you would be sanctified this morning. Say, Pastor, I'm a believer. I'm glad you are. Now, would you give it all to Him this morning? Would you live for Him? Would your wants be His wants? Would your thoughts be His thoughts? As we wrap this up here this morning, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, we don't want to embarrass anyone. But I do want to pray for you. And I'll commit to praying for you. Not only this morning, throughout the weeks, we'll do our best to follow up and guide you along and bring you along in these decisions that you make in this room. But if that's you this morning, you say, Pastor, I've been a believer for a long, long time, but I've never given it all. There's been some things I've conformed to. And I'm ready to settle it. I want God to take away my want to. I want His wants to be my wants. I want to live 100% for Him. I want to pray for you. If that's you this morning, no one's looking around. No one's going to embarrass you. But I'll know and I want to pray for you. Just slip your hand up and say, God, Pastor, that's me. I want to live for Him. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. God is speaking to people's hearts. It's through the revelation of His Word. Nothing from what I've said or any other reason. But God said, you know what? I'll take that. God says, I'll take that hand. That hand that you raised up, God says, I'll take that hand and we'll walk through this life together. And I'll show you what my wants are so they become your wants. And there'll be absolute honesty between you and God from this moment forward. He says, you know what? Raise that hand and raise it high because I'll take that hand this morning and I will walk with you through this life. This life is difficult. This life is challenging. I get that. God says, I will take your hand and I will walk with you through this life. One more opportunity to be crystal clear that no one, don't want to leave anybody out this morning. But you say, Pastor, that's me. I want my wants to be his wants. I am no longer conformed. I am transformed this morning. Just raise your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. 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 Saints, there's something to celebrate here this morning. Father God, you've seen those hands that were raised. Those hands were raised in response, but Lord, I believe those hands were also raised up into heaven. And that God, you would reach down with your mighty hand and you would grab those hands that the the folks had the courage and the guts to raise their hand and say, no more. I'm living for God. I'm living for you. I want my wants to be your wants. I want to be transformed. God, would you renew my mind? 
I'm no longer conforming to the patterns of this world, the things that this world does. But I am conforming and transforming, Lord, and finding out what your will is. I present myself, and I say, Lord, here am I. When I raise my hand, Lord, and I say, take my hand. God, would you meet those needs this morning? Would you grab those hands? Would you walk through this life with those who have had the courage to say, I surrender it? Would you say that to me, Lord? I surrender all. God, these folks here surrender all to you this morning. They raise their hand and they say, we surrender. We give it all to you, Lord. It's a sacred moment for those who have made lifelong commitments this morning. you would allow us just for one moment before we leave we'll dismiss in this song but this is the song this is the response I surrender all that's really what this moment's about it's about surrendering our desires our wills and our wants to God If you know the chorus, Randy's playing it right now. If you know it online, sing loud where you are. People won't laugh at you. But if you know it, let's sing that chorus together and we'll be dismissed. It goes, I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all, all to Jesus, all to Thee, my, I don't know the words, Sid Savior, I surrender all. Father God, we surrender this morning. We surrender our lives, our will, we surrender our minds to You, Lord. As we leave this place, Lord, may we not depart from your presence. Father, bring us back all together on Wednesday night to dig deep into your word. I thank you, Lord, for each person who's been faithful and coming this morning, joining us online. Father, would you make a difference in their life this week as they've committed to you, those that have had the courage to raise their hands. Might, Lord, you meet them where they are in their walk, Lord, and begin to transform them and change them, Lord. Transform us all. By the power of your word, Lord, might we go from this place and change this world for Christ. In Jesus' powerful name and for his sake we pray. Amen and amen.